Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. Hello, everybody. This is Lenny Murphy, and welcome to episode two of the Green Book Podcast. Uh, today, we are discussing how DAOs will shape research organizations. And if you don't know what a DAO is, well, we're about to find out because my two guests are deeply exploring this, and they're going to educate all of us as we go through this. So first, welcoming Dave Carruthers. He is the founder and CEO of Vox Popme. Uh, he is also a hell of a personal inspiration because he tackled keto before I did and became a boxer, which I was never brave enough to do. Um, so Dave, welcome. Thanks, Lenny. Looking forward to the chat. I am as well. And then Andrew Kanya, the, the only real genius I think I know. I know lots of smart people, but Andrew, you're at a different level. So Andrew's the CEO and co-founder of Remash, a New York City-based startup software company. Andrew, welcome. Thank you, Lenny. Pleasure to be here. Uh, good, good to have you. All right. So guys, DAOs. I expect it, it's a term that's been around for a while, but not everybody is aware of that. So let's go back to basics. What is a DAO? And Dave, why don't we start with you? Because I know you, you've, I've also followed all of your adventures in uh, in crypto over the years as well. So yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, I, I think the best way to think of a DAO is, is, is really a, a new way of organizing people. Traditionally, that the, the, the kind of company organizational structure has been a, a way to collate and collect kind of talent in pursuit of a shared goal. And I think a DAO has a similar objective, but it's all geared towards the shared purpose and the creation of value a much more shared value across the participants. So democratization is a big part of this, allowing all parties to participate. And that decentralized framework um, enables workers, users, stakeholders to really have true ownership. And I think we've seen this in the startup culture and many companies in the in the space issue options to employees and, and things like that at an early stage. But historically, companies haven't always done that trying to find consensus, allowing all parties to play a role in, you know, where the where the project goes or where the organization goes is incredible. We're still extremely early in the DAO space. But when you look at some of the interesting projects that are starting to launch, we'll you know talk about them a little bit later. There's just just so many industries and verticals that have been disrupted by this and really yeah, looking forward to digging in on what the impact is on the research industry. Okay. So Andrew, so think about the work within Remesh, which I would broadly characterize as bringing in together large groups of people on a topic and getting that information condensed so that a moderator could respond to that quickly. I would imagine that the interest in the DAO is another application of this crowdsourcing, if you will, uh, process of getting alignment around ideas and early ideation. Is that accurate? And is that kind of how you've been thinking about it? Yeah, and I think what's cool about it uh, is that it changes the structure of trust. That's a combination of determining government decisions, determining where money flows, and all of the soft power of determining like culture. Largely, that is 
maybe with the exception of culture, it's, it's centralized. We designed them. The U.S. government was designed. Dave and I run companies. We've designed those. We create this organizational structure. And then within those design, trust is founded on, I don't want to say weak grounds, but uh, not super strong grounds, right? Trust uh, in the value of a company or what you're going to get is paperwork, a legal system, and your trust that uh, your employer will follow through on something, the government will follow through on something, the currency that they're paying you in will have value uh, into the future. And I think like the foundations of all of those trusts are like compound, usually up to some central place. Um, I think the promise of a DAO uh, is that you can now have trust in a way that is, uh, or trust in an algorithm or trust in a system that is much more objective and not founded on paperwork, legal structures, governments, and things like that, combined with the ability for it to emerge. It does not require uh, a person who's actually designing from the top down. It requires only a direction, even loosely specified, that it's aligned in. And then what can emerge out of it uh, is a consistent steering of that direction. And so with the lens that a DAO is just an emergent, collectively intelligent community that determines to a direction and can in real time steer that direction that they want to go in, uh, I think of Remesh uh, as in the lens we view it through uh, is simply as a way to have a conversation with the DAO. If you have a collectively intelligent community that is out there, steer an increasingly large fraction of where we go into the future, uh, then it feels reasonable that you would want to have a conversation with it. Uh, and so in the same way right now, what you think through a research lens, you want to have a conversation with the population to understand them and inform some type of decision, like what they're going to buy uh, with the DAO, those folks have potentially even more leverage around the future uh, and thus talking to it uh, as a, an organism in and of itself, I think is what's most interesting. Now, as David mentioned, there's a long tail of other interesting things there, but yeah. Yeah, I, th I think uh, when I think about it, I think there's two key traits of a DAO. One is the participants are acting like owners. And the second is radical transparency. The fact that the actions of a DAO, you know, appear on a blockchain that are immutable and, and visible to the world, I think is a key part of that. But I also think we are so early in this that if you ask people to classify what a DAO is, you'd get a lot of different answers, right? Some people might tell you it's a Discord with a shared bank account. Others might categorize it as a community with distributed ownership. You know, some might just call it a vibe, something they want to be, be a part of. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's still very fluid at this time, I would say. So let's talk about that current state. I mean, kind of get into the, the pragmatic aspects. So, it, you know, it is early and I, there's a lot of thoughts within my head on how we think about the applications in the future. But uh, if somebody wants to create a DAO today for whatever purpose to, you know, discuss what to have for Thanksgiving dinner, right? a radical transparency for everybody contributing ideas, how would you do it? How is it happening today? I think like many things that are in the early adoption phases, the tooling to create and support DAOs is constantly evolving. And there's essentially multiple tools available for kind of each stage of DAO creation and formation. So you've got tools like Aragon, Syndicate, Orca that allow you to essentially, you know, the kind of real world equivalent is Stripe Atlas, right? You go into Stripe, they'll do all the legal docs, they'll set you up a Delaware LLC, et cetera, et cetera. And these tools essentially handle things like membership management, treasury tooling, infrastructure for governance and things like that. So, you know, so there's, you know, multiple tools available there. When you think about the communication layer of the business, Discord has become the DAO 
kind of communication tool of choice. You know, instead of a Discord server, a bunch of different channels for all kinds of interactions, whether it be product engineering, marketing. And that's the thing about the DAO. When people join a DAO, they're looking, what? how can I add value to this product? And mm -hmm. how, how can I add value to this community? And, you know, we can talk about compensation com compensation and how they, they're rewarded for that. And then, yeah, things like coordination, voting, you know, there's, there's essentially a whole ecosystem of tools, which is, you know, still probably 100, 120 companies in that ecosystem today, which, you know, when you think about the, the Grit Reports kind of uh, logo ecosystem island, I imagine the DAO ecosystem map will look very similar to that in five years time as more and more tools come in. So, yeah, I, th I think there's, there's a lot of tooling that's out there, but at the moment, it's still very much kind of like... Uh, duct taping a, a few things together to, to figure that out. But that talks to the scrappiness and the nature of bringing all of these disparate parties together amongst that shared vision. thing I want to double click on, you, you noted there, David, I think it's the, the beauty of DAOs in almost all flavors, whether it's the vibe version or the like collectively investing version. And that is that it is an alignment machine where by you joining, you get you share in the value that's created and thus you are incentivized to create value. And generally the constant pattern you see wrapped around them is non-linear value. Meaning when you add one more person, when you add the 10th person, you've not just increased the value by, you know, one ninth. It's, you know, you get a one plus one equals 10 type effect where it's compounding. So if you plotted like the value of a DAO proportional to the amount of people, you would expect it not to be a line, but something that looked much more exponential. And I think that whether that line might be vibe that you're putting, right? More people just compounds the vibe uh, or compounds the actual value measured in units of pick your, pick your stable currency you trust. I, I trust jewels, uh, but um, <laughs> that's what you might actually think of it in. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's step back for a minute and then start thinking about framing this up with the research space. From an evolutionary perspective, the the standard research uh, tool where a DAO could fit into would be a community, right? Some some form of, of community, whether it's a pop-up or or long-term a community application. And the business use case that we see most often used within a community is for early stage ideation. And brands look for a way to connect this process from ideation to optimization and a lot of money spent on that, right? It's a big investment area, particularly for CPGs as they're looking at building, building new products. Certainly we could also see applications around non-physical products as well. So if, if we think about the applications of the DAO model, are you guys thinking about the same way I am that low hanging fruit would be a modification of the qualitative quote unquote community centric approach, or am I missing something? Are there other things that you're thinking about? Wait, why are we not doing this for any other type of optimization uh, process? Yeah. So I'll start with saying yes. And one of many flavors of it. So I'm actually, I'll, let me start with the most radical and work our way backwards to there. I think the most radical version of this, does a CPG company look the same as it does today in a version of the future like this? Right now, a uh, CPG company is owned by largely investors or shareholders, maybe some of the employees who work there, but definitely very few of the people who are actually buying those products. And I could imagine uh, the most extreme application of a DAO is that the company itself that is producing the goods is owned by the people who they are producing goods for. Yeah. And in that world, okay. the whole model and thought of 
market research, almost you don't need it or it's replaced by the very mechanism of those people steering what the company builds is the market research itself. So that's not happening next year, I don't think, at least not in a broad stroke, but I, like in my mind, that is go far enough into the future. And I think that maybe is what we're looking at. Okay, so that maybe is the most radical version. In, in the present, the application that I see as most obvious is less about just thinking of it as a community and a way to take a community, maybe create a little bit of alignment around them so that you can make it more easy in some way to engage with them. Uh, I think there is a natural nonlinear value creation mechanism in data and in a participant's data that right now is sometimes captured by companies, though very rarely, never is it captured by the participants. If you look into the future, what I expect is that two 100 person communities or DAOs and look at their value. And then in terms of the data for those people, and then you look at one 200 person DAO and look at the data for those people, that second one of 200 will be worth way more, create a lot more value because uh, when you put all that data together, you can start predicting and filling in the gaps for a lot more people. Uh, and so I think what that means is there's potential for a runaway DAO situation where the DAO eats the traditional and in a way where all of the value creation from a participant's data, not just the linear, I pay you for your time, dollar for your time, but I now own a piece of that DAO. And as that data that I contributed helps predict way into the future, time and time again, that I now keep making money from it because I'm the one whose data contributed to that value. So uh, I think that combination of the nonlinear value creation that comes from pooling data together, and then the power of the DAO to align that with the very people whose data uh, that is being gathered with, I think is like a very, very disruptive model. And then I would hope, you know, flowing on through to the world of advertising, which, which I think could use some, some reform. Well, you know, <laughs> Dave, so same, same question for you. Where's the, where's the low hanging fruit or the far reaching implications? Uh, I love what Andrew's saying about kind of how, yeah, what is the CPG? company brand of the future look like and how is it more collectively owned and you can start to see how DAOs are starting to make plays to own certain things i think there's a DAO being created that has ambitions to own an nba franchise you know i know the green bay packers i think have a more co-op model and the fans own it but can you imagine sports teams being owned huge large entities being owned by the masses and being in that DAO structure i think it's it's really exciting to see Think about kind of a decentralized venture capital fund. Every man can't invest in a VC fund. If you want to invest in a VC fund, you need to be an LP. To be an LP, you need to be a accredited investor. You need to have, you know, whatever it is, probably minimum check size 100K. Now anyone can put $1,000 into a VC fund for a decentralized organization, democratizing access to this thing, which I think, again, you imagine now more people, bigger funds, you know, and unfortunately DAOs got off to a rocky start, right? One of the very first DAOs was exactly that. And I think they, you know, ended up raising, I think it was, what was the equivalent of $150 million worth of ETH at the time, which actually all got hacked. However, if that DAO had just sat and held that ETH, it would have been worth $52 billion today, which probably if they did not made any alpha investment whatsoever, and things like that. So again, that that probably set DAOs back four years. It was about 2016 that, that that happened. But you can see the possibilities there. When I think about insights, yeah, I agree with everything that both of you have said. I, I also think about 
you know, there's a there's a DAO called Raid Guild, and it refers to itself as the premier design and development agency of Web3 ecosystem. This is what's called a service DAO. So again, now, you know, you think about the, the many service companies in our industry that are supporting this ecosystem. Again, what does what do some of those agencies of the future look like? They probably aren't the Cantars of the world owned by Bain Capital. They're a collection of the brightest and best minds in the business. Andrew will certainly be in there. Lenny, you'll be in there. I may get invited. I'm not sure yet. But you know, you can start to see how these service DAOs evolve and actually become a collective of shared value creation. You know, everyone acting like owners and things like that. So I think from the research deck, clearly the panel application, but I actually think you could see a, a whole generation uh, of, of agencies start to start to come out of this as well. Yeah, I think there's a, one of the, the tropes that, that I at least heard entering market research, I'm sure maybe you all identify it, which is uh, oftentimes there's a, uh, people have a bit of a zero sum mindset or, you know, like people try and protect, hold cards close to their chest. That's my way of doing it. You can't take that or with it. Uh, mm-hmm. DAOs inherently incentivize a abundance mindset, the, the whole nature of how they operate. And so if you take that abundance mindset, you codified it, into a trustless system, put those people together, remove all the middlemen, you now have a potent competitor that's likely to attract the best talent and be able to deliver it for less because of better coordination and lower need for margins. That really could be quite disruptive uh, to those types of models today. So that's actually really a great idea, David. I think when you think about kind of like the data ecosystem and things like Chainlink that provides oracles to connect real world data into smart contracts to drive that transparency, you know, there's there's so many things that could be applied to research when you start to be pulling data from non-blockchain data into smart contracts and rewarding based on that. So I think that crossover as well is, you know, a fascinating opportunity for our industry. So... So philosophically, we've always approached things from a position of scarcity. And when you're dealing with physical products, got it, right? We're experiencing it now, right? The supply chain issues happening mm-hmm. uh, across the board. But when we're thinking about IP, when we're thinking about value creation in more amorphous things, right? That do, that do not necessarily have the scarcity component, then that pivots everything to an idea of abundance. And I love that you use that idea of this, this abundance framework that we don't have to operate from a position of scarcity. We can create opportunities that decentralize the control mechanisms in the world, both you know financially and, and every other level and utilize these tools to really engage everybody in utilizing their core assets, which fundamentally you have three key assets. You have your data, you have your time and you have your experience. Those are your assets fundamentally, and they should be owned and monetized directly by you. That does change the game, right? So how do we expand this out into a model that really is fundamentally about shared value creation for everyone along the value chain, right? For the consumers that engage with the brand, for the brand that's creating the products, for the marketers that are helping to drive the awareness of that into a virtuous cycle. Are we seeing examples of that yet? Is there anybody close to doing something like that? I think some of the early DAOs making headway into this, I I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, 
you know, we've talked a lot about all of the positive facets of creating a DAO and, and all of everything that it opens up and things like that. There's still there's still arguments against DAOs and challenge challenges with them. I think need to be considered. And when you know early formation of corporate law and governance and things like that, it, it evolved over time, right? It wasn't it wasn't perfect. So I, I do still think there's a, there's a lot to to play out there. Just even how you know we're creating shared value, the mechanisms to track. Is Lenny bringing more value to the project or Andrew, you know, and how do you do that? Is it based on time and that, you know, there's just so many different facets that go into that, you know, whereas in, in current society, our time is valued in hours and it's an hourly rate. And if it's a high value task, it's a high hourly rate. And if it's a low value task, it's a low hourly rate. And, you know, the market will decide of, you know, can we get enough people to do X for Y? And that's what kind of builds that economy. And in a dad, there's a lot more complexity. And whilst it can be programmatic and, and built in, there are also challenges into that. You fundamentally, if I think about having set out Me's framework on day one and build a smart contract that kind of has everything contained within that and then launch that, you know, think how many times we've iterated, pivoted, changed the model and different things. Once you have a DAO and that's in a contract, you now need to vote upon those changes and get the community to do that. So you have to get consensus and the different DAOs have different rules around that and who can vote and why you can vote. And it, is it one member, one vote, or is it based on the amount of tokens you hold and things like that? So, you know, I, I do think that there's there's huge optimism in where this, where this could go. I, I don't think the utopia of the DAO, I can't point you to something that, you know, and, you know, there's a lot more people more knowledgeable about DAOs than, than me. And, and someone might be listening to this and think, oh, this is the one that does it. But I, I don't personally know of any DAO right now that you could point to and be like, that is the perfect DAO. This is what we should all be kind of aspiring towards. Okay. All right, Andrew, I saw you nodding. Uh, would you add to yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I'm certainly agreeing that it's early days. And one of the pieces that is challenging there, I think I almost liken DAOs more to governments than to startups because governments generally, the ones that last a while, tend to have this embedded stability that is a byproduct of rate limited change. The US government just can't change that fast. People think of that as a bug, but that's actually a feature that was designed into it. And the reason is that that stability is what gives. Lots of people organize around it over long periods of time and DAOs do that really well. They come at the cost uh, of speed, at least today. I would imagine as people create better ways of approaching it, that probably will be gone, but I've not yet seen that done in a really great way uh, because consensus takes time. And you know, if you want, I, you know, there's this joke, what the most efficient form of government is a benevolent dictator. Uh, <laughs> that's the fastest, the way you make the fastest decisions. Having said that again, I think that will, will will be solved at some point, but it is early enough days that I don't think anyone cracked the code, so to speak, at least not in terms of that full cycle that you're referring to, Lenny. If you like zoom all the way out on like the human race, the latent value that I think is left to capture at any given slice of time is that if you look at what every human on earth is doing, how they're putting in their time to change how the future is going to work. And imagine that as an arrow. And then you imagine the arrow, which is towards the future. That is exactly what everybody wants. Those arrows are not aligned at any given point. Their misalignment is varied, but I think what the value of market research is the value of uh, things like a DAO are is to better solve that alignment problem uh, across the species at larger time scales, uh, at larger people scales. And so uh, I think that means the, the virtuous version of it 
may not be like a DAO. It may be a emergent complex system where these things are just one of many things that plug into that system, but all of which I would say are evaluated in terms of is the future now steering more towards what people actually want or less. And if I hold up any version of a DAO and ask that question, how good is it at steering us towards a future we want versus not, we you know the most recent one that we'll see how the auction goes this morning, the constitution DAO is an example of a bunch of people wanted a future where uh, public got to own a constitution and make it public, that was their direction towards the future they wanted. Turns out a lot of people wanted that version of the future. Very quickly, a DAO enabled that to maybe be the case. I don't know as of recording this, uh, if we know the outcome of that yet, but I think that ability to align towards a future people want, that's what's, that's the potency of it. And I don't yet know what that looks like in perfection, but there's all these little like snippets as I'd say what it feels like right now. Snippets of examples of it being able to align people towards one big purchase, align people towards one way of investing, align people towards a vibe uh, and how people like talk and create community, but they've not yet all hooked together in a way that I, I feel like I can see. Yet. I don't know if, you, if you're starting to see any of those chained together or they're kind of second order effects, Dave, but. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, th I think it's, you're starting to see signs of it. The internet was a place where we could read, you know, information. And then web two came along and people could create and consume. And, but most of the value from that creator economy flowed to Facebook and TikToks of the world as they harnessed all the ad, advertising revenue. Where I see web three and DAOs and the creators of value are able to, to pull all of that. It's not, it's not all going to, to the Facebooks and, and other, other, other parts of the world. And, you know, you think about the, the opportunities for that in terms of shared creation of value and then how that would then tap into the b2p research space as well i think the the opportunities uh, ahead of us with this organization and breaking down those borders as well and making truly global entities and removing some of the inequalities of wealth transfer as well yeah there's a couple things but andrew what i was thinking about when you were talking specifically was so what's next now think about remesh and your background and what i always thought was cool about what you guys did is you created an AI algorithm to be able to structure information really quickly to duplicate the paradigm of a focus group, but with a thousand participants, which a, person, a moderator can never do to streamline that process. So one individual could be able to, to actively engage in that conversation. So what is the role of AI in helping to optimize the efficiency of the DAO model to help create more scalability. I think Dave, you kind of queued up these categories of, of different flavors of what it, what goes on in a DAO. Also, what types of DAO there are almost, and it comes down to communication, coordination, uh, and decision making. And I would say AI has potential, not for sure, but potential applicability in all of those. I think from a coordination perspective right now the best way we as humans know how to coordinate to achieve something is through a free market economy that is the way that you can set a goal and the machine aligns the work that we do towards it um i think that DAOs are taking a little different of an angle at it though using the same basic principles of a free market economy to create the alignment with the added component of being able to have some algorithmic alignment that you can decide on. There's a lot of choices to be made there. Right now, the gas fees would be way too high to try and actually uh, implement that in, in a real way. But I think being able to, thinking of AI as just an optimization tool, 
AI can optimize coordination by figuring out who do you point a task to to get it done the fastest? Who do you combine together to orchestrate tasks in the best way? How do you represent people the most accurately in some constrained amount of time? And I think that last one points to how do you make decisions on behalf of a DAO that best represent what that direction of the future the DAO wants. And so if I think of Remesh, uh, like the superpower, we've, the thing we've obsessed about is can we in real time pluck out what is that arrow? AI as a way to solve the DAO makes decisions slow, I think it might be the most obvious starting point, but in so much as it's an organism to be optimized, I think it can apply everywhere, but I would start with caution uh, because there's lots of air bars. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think what AI is incredibly um, good at doing is taking a huge volume of data and then crunching that down into a couple of outcomes. Or So imagine we set up a, a property DAO and we were going to invest in all kinds of properties, you know, shared ownership, everyone's chipping in to do that. You could take real world data like residential markets, growth in equity value, rentals per night, all of that data, put that into an algorithm, get the algorithm to then spit out, okay, these are the three properties the DAO should consider buying this month. We've got, we're now voting on three. We're not trying to we're not trying to get 27,000 people's different properties. We're going to hook into a whole bunch of sources. We're going to use an AI algorithm that basically says this is going to give the highest return on investment for our DAO. And these are the three. Now the community gets to vote on which three we want to buy. The DAO goes and buys it. It becomes part of the DAO. We rinse and repeat. We do that next month. All of a sudden, over three years, we've built a 36 property portfolio that's highly optimized and for enough great returns for, for stakeholders. So just, just trying to get people to think as to how kind of real world AI could contribute into kind of DAO decision making. We could go on for a really long time and, and, and I will go ahead and extend this invitation. We need to do this again and probably pretty soon, maybe at the turn of the year, because I think this is... This is incredibly fascinating. And I do believe that this collaborative framework and trust network of the DAO is revolutionary. I think it does have the, the opportunity to change things dramatically, not just in the insights industry, but across the board. For now though, for the sake of our listeners, one question for each of you, other than DAOs, <laughs> where are you spending your time online lately? What's kind of the, the coolest thing that really has your attention right now? And Andrew. I think for me, my, my obsession has been similar uh, to what I noted earlier, which is the non-linear leverage you get out of data. There's an emerging set of algorithms. There's even a couple companies starting to apply these in a real way. But I think that through the world of market research and advertising and all of the above, the thought that one data point equals one unit value, I think is like now provably broken, but not yet turned into a business model. And so I've been spending a lot of time understanding uh, and working on the things that break it from a algorithmic perspective, actually that's, that's this, uh, uh, <laughs> and then how you actually turn that into business model, um, right? We, we live in a world of sample where uh, sample costs linearly proportional to end size in generally every way. And I think that's wrong, that that's not how it should work. The, the actual cost scales sublinearly, and that means there's a huge opportunity for disruption, but that has been the, the pointed obsession of mine. I think the, the whole, kind of DeFi, Web3 movement, and you know, DAOs are just one small part of that. I think it, it is fascinating to me, and similarly to Andrew, kind of 
what business models does that now open up and how do we combine existing data sets or data sources with this new paradigm of web three and what does that open up to us as you say that the, the the automation layers the the shared value creation modern life is going to be disrupted by this and i see a lot of people you know they look at crypto and it's just hype and it's not there you know these are the same people that told you that the internet was a fad you know what i mean like if 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 you're kind of sitting there thinking Hey, crypto is a fad, Web3 and NFTs are just about silly pictures of apes. You're not understanding where this is going. And maybe you missed a train on the internet. Don't make the same mistake again. This is real. This is happening. It's early, but it will fundamentally change how the world works. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. All right. Final question real quick. We're, we're going to. We're going to dial this a little bit without the uh, the mechanisms. Uh, I'm going to ask each of you to vote, so to speak. Who would be a great guest for the podcast? Barack Obama. <laughs> well, we haven't set our, our sights quite that high yet. So maybe bring it down just a little bit, aspirationally. Yeah, for, I guess from my side, one of the people that I've been talking to a lot about this space is uh, Chris Cable. So he was formerly... Uh, data and insights analytics lead at Diageo and has recently left that role to pursue working on multiple DAOs. So, you know, someone from the space on the brand side. So I think he would be a good guest. I know Roddy Knowles has been doing a lot in this space as well. And yeah. Okay. A person I think of that's maybe one degree away from our network or, or, or but not far is Louis Von Ahn. He originally founded reCAPTCHA and re most recently Duolingo. And what he is a genius at is models that, business models that align people, value creation companies in ways that are super creative and you would not have thought of, and generally ones that involve AI. And so I think he might have a really interesting perspective to bring to a conversation around this stuff, not about the DAO itself, but around kind of the future of how business models are evolving at the intersection of aligning people, incentivizing them to do tasks in a way that create value and how AI makes those things possible. Very cool. All right, we have taken notes. So thank you guys. This has been an extraordinary conversation. We will reach out to continue the conversation on the podcast or individually as well. Thanks to our audience for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transporting insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.